All right. Welcome to Threat Talk Season 2, Episode 1. Myself, Kevin Golis, and Jay Grant, we're going to talk about converged security. Converged security, it's a new way of viewing risk. It combines physical security, IT security, and cybersecurity, all rolled into an enterprise risk model. It implements a balance of mixed controls to better understand your risk before it happens or as it's happening. And it allows the enterprise to be able to understand that risk, like I said, either as it's happening or before it happens. To give you some examples of what that converged security would be, would be like badge readers, IoT devices, HVAC systems, um, security cameras, surveillance cameras, kind of bringing all that back into like one central place to monitor for it, like a security operations system, which we'll get into. But it basically gives you that ability to be able to see all of the risks and threats into one single pane of glass, if you will, instead of having everything very siloed. Um, we thought it was very important to kind of talk about this. Um, myself and Jay are coming across this in the industry when we're talking to a lot of clients and telling them how to kind of manage their risk. That's one of the things that we've noticed that you know, is kind of evolving. We don't think it's evolving fast enough, but it's definitely evolving. A lot more people are starting to, you know, consider those badge readers, IoT devices, cameras, you know, um, HVAC systems. You know, as it relates to like a lot of the coronaviruses out there, they have to be kept at a certain temperature. Well, having kind of those, if it drops below a temperature, send out a sensor. Like we're kind of conditioned to, in the cybersecurity world, you know, in, in, in your security operations center, similar concept, but kind of broadening out that, that window. You know, for sure. And I think um, one of the things that we should think about is the terminology is newer, but the concept, not so much. So if you think about global socks, your large organizations that run global socks, they've been doing this type of work for, you know, a period of time, right? So you have, you know, executives when they travel, you have the global sock giving physical security advisories, travel advisories, um, monitoring the dark web, looking at open source information and social media, um, you know, badge readers, cameras like Kevin mentioned, and consolidating all that into a unified picture, especially when it surrounds insider threat um, conditions. You know, I know of a few customers I've worked with where if the um, cyber piece of the in, in, uh, insider threat kicks off, they will actually, um, through automation, grab the security camera footage for X amount of time surrounding the incident, along with all the badge readers, and all that information is brought back to the analyst right away, so that not only can they get non-repudiation um, within the, the cyber piece, but also from a camera and badge reader perspective. So when you look at, you know, things like, you know, HR um, issues where terminations have to occur, when you have that type of a full-on package um, that you can hand to HR, you're standing on much solid ground instead of just, hey, we think this person took files from a USB, but you really don't have any other evidence to go with it. So these concepts are not new, but the terminology is, and we we need to adopt it more in the community. Yeah, and I remember like doing investigations, 
you'd go to the badge reader, which is one system, and then one person. Then you'd have to go to somewhere else to get the security cameras. And then you have to go somewhere else to get, like you said, like were they on vacation that day and what was their HR file, right? All of that stuff now can be kind of centrally located on a kind of a common, uh, on, a, on a common kind of thread, if you will. So I, I want us to talk about, I have a couple talking points as always, Jay, right? So uh, what is the advantage of having a converged security model? Like having cameras performing analytics to detect a safety violation before it happens. I think you and I talked about that in the past. One of the companies that you worked at, they were starting to go down that route down that route or already had it. I don't remember which way it was, but that was a, a key thing that I think triggered you because like, you know, like you said, if the, you know, the forklift is unbalanced or the guy doesn't have his safety hat on, it automatically triggers somebody. And like that line manager gets notified like immediately that that person didn't have a safety hat on. And one of the things which then, you know, causes a huge risk. Want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, found it very interesting because it was also in a fully automated flow, right? Because there were API connections and everything else that we had integrated. So essentially I, I worked for a very large um, construction organization and, you know, they were testing out some technology where if there was a scissor lift that went up, let's say 40, 50 feet, um, the cameras were of such high resolution that the cameras could figure out, facial recognition they could also scan the person and understand if that person had on a safety harness and whether it was properly tethered um, as it was supposed to be if it wasn't it actually kicked off a push message to the site foreman to that there was a um, safety violation and it also gathered data and it would also then file off into the ticketing system in the service now and kick off an entire workflow so, you know, those types of automations are, you know, extremely key. And if you start thinking about how you can create workflows like that from, you know, regular um, security alerts, whether it's, you know, a um, camera on an exterior building, an interior building, uh, after hours point that shouldn't occur, how can you automate those things to gather information um, on who's actually going through there and what they're actually doing because the targets now um, are also cyber systems and also walking around the individual's workstation to see if they have passwords out, if they have logins to, you know, their social accounts, any of those types of things. You know, um, bad guys are motivated also by money and greed. So for them to, you know, leverage these types of vulnerabilities, um, you know, it's it's kind of an old adage of, of what they've always done, but now we have the technology to actually track it and automate it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of important. So kind of kind of um, piggybacking off what Jay said, think about all this camera data, right, sitting into a data lake, and you throw analytics at it, right? There's a couple different scenarios. Like somebody goes into a bank, and that same person goes into a bank, you know, and kind of like profiling that bank, if you will. Now, that might be something that can trigger an alert. You've seen that same person maybe at five different banks around the same time, and they never did a transaction, right? Because all of that stuff is linked now. So you can kind of see those things. That might send an alert off. Or, the, you know, like we talked about, like on the safety concept, you know, somebody slips and falls, you see water there or whatever the case may be, or like Jay's thing. Now that all gets back, brought back into a central place that can monitor that 
and then, you know, gets alerts sent to it that they have to go validate before they raise that alert up, right? But these are just things that, you know, the technology is there, and it's amazing the technology that can be done through surveillance cameras. Like there was one company I was working at that they had like the ability to do kind of facial recognition as well as um, analytics on the camera. Like somebody left a ticket in one of the casinos, right? You know, one of the, the slot machines. They, the casino has to give that ticket back. It has to make a, the best effort to find that person to give them the ticket. Well, this was able to do kind of real-time analytics to say that that person was there four minutes ago, and now six minutes later, he's over you know, by the pool area, and you can go find him to give him that ticket. There's just so many different uses for it. You're just trying to think outside the box of how to use it for, to avoid risk from you know, like what Jay was talking about with um, the foreman and their hat and their scissor lift down to, you know, uh, uh, cybersecurity, right? It's kind of using those conditions uh, that we're, we're, we're conditioned to for cybersecurity from alerting of risk and applying it to different things, but utilizing that same technology, which is like a camera, for an example. You know, and Kevin, let me let me tie this back in because I'm quite sure some of our listeners are confused because they're like, hey, these are cybersecurity guys. Why are, why are they talking about physical security and cameras and this, that, and everything else? This doesn't apply to me. Well, what you have to understand is that this technology is out there. You have business units inside of your organization that are using this technology. Where are they storing the data? Have they actually communicated with you as a cybersecurity director or leader and said, hey, um, we're taking in this camera data um, and this is really cool what we're doing. We're using this app. You know, in the construction industry, those are actually operational apps that for a long time, the organizations are like, we don't need to include cyber. This is an operational thing. Well, that data lake of PII, because facial recognition, hash is PII, anything that can identify a person, right? So now that does fall under my purview. So if it's not a cyber incident, the technologies are actually storing data that should be residing under your corporate cyber policies. Yeah, right. I mean, to, and to your point, bringing it back into a central place is kind of what the Security Operations Center does currently. There just might be a different stakeholder that needs to be alerted to that particular risk. You know, kind of like, like, like what you said, you know, one of my other talking points that I want to discuss is what would it take to execute such a model, right? bringing the cameras, the IoT devices, and the badge readers back into a security operations center. Again, the technology is there. The infrastructure is already there. The alert mechanism is just a little bit different, right? And the stakeholders are going to be different. It's not going to be the IT guy or the help desk. It's going to be, you know, like you said, the physical, physical security guy or the uh, HR person, right, whoever is responsible for that. You know, and, and, and having like an MDR service even taking it to the next level, kind of evaluate that, right? So we talked about like, you know, I have a client that's in the biotech firm and they were talking about like some of their keys to their castle is their actual refrigerator units, right? Because they're doing a lot of uh, um, biotech type stuff or, or, or um, scientific uh, studies. So if something were to go, let's just say, you know, to 70 degrees or 60 degrees, that would be bad and that could be catastrophic because let's say they're working on the next coronavirus, or whatever, right? That could be catastrophic because if it goes above 70, that means everything's spoiled there on out. But if you don't have good detection mechanisms to let you know that it's starting to rise, like the temperature, and you bring that back into a central point to know that, you would never be able to discover that. Which, you know, let's talk, Jay, about the, the, the thing that happened in Florida with the uh, 
attacker accessing remote accessing, which I think was TeamViewer, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was TeamViewer. Um, and he and, and he put what was it? Um, sodium hydroxide at a higher level, right? I think it was. Uh, it went from 100 parts per million to 11,100 parts per million. They lucked out because the guy that happened to be uh, responsible for monitoring the facility just happened to catch it by chance. It wasn't an alert that went off. He just kind of caught it by chance and knew that that was a higher number and then was able to lower it down. And then they did an investigation and found out exactly what it was. But it would be nice to have that alert happen as soon as it starts to go above 100 parts per million to 11,000. As soon as it went to like 200 parts per million, it should have been notified and an alert should have went off and multiple people should have known about it. Right. And, he, you know, there's a couple points with that piece, right? Um, you know, one of the points is before all of this, was that a, you know, SaaS application or a, you know, service that was provided? And was that data actually being funneled back to an actual SOC from that organization? I don't know the answer to it, but the correct answer is yes, it should have been. Should that data um, and the controls have been monitored by the SOC? It absolutely should have been. That's why we have, you know, the the CASBs out there and all these other technologies to put around a data lake, bring data lakes together. Um, and, and this is the point that, you know, I've been trying to make is that these things have been in some forms purchased away from the knowledge of IT. And IT hasn't inserted themselves in there. And then incidents like this occur and then everyone points back to IT and says, well, hey, this is you. Someone hacked it. Well, it wasn't me to start with because I didn't even know the application was there. So the business units really inside of organizations have to talk to each other um, whenever it's anything that's interconnected, cyber, in a cloud, in a data center, has a form of data of any kind, it's a sensor, anything, and that evaluation has to be done and it needs to be in that DevSecOps model where, you know, hey, we're looking at doing this, you know, bring cyber in early on in the POC process so that it can be assessed in what type of data is there, what type of value that data provides and what types of dangers are there, um, you know, if it's actually um, found to be vulnerable. That's that whole risk model that you've been mentioning from the start of this. Yeah. And I mean, there's 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 the risk model to it, right? And then there's kind of bringing that into a central point. But then there's also cost savings, right? Because preventing these risks from happening, lower your 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 insurance deductibles, or keeping them at a low level, you know, not allowing any of that uh, any of that risk or those um, injuries to happen is a preventative measure, right? So it's a savings cost. And like I said, the infrastructure should pretty much exist across the enterprise today. It's just thinking outside of that typical cyber world and how can you incorporate other devices, other camera devices, all of those siloed functions, I call them, and kind of bring them into one central place to be able to monitor for that and use that infrastructure, you know, across the entire enterprise. I think that's what we're really trying to, you know, expand out. And like I said, you know, Jay and I talked about a lot of video surveillance has that analytics to it. Like, like, here's just another thing. Just. Quick side note, it has, it's actually about marketing, but it's about utilizing this data that's already kind of contained. So Coca-Cola did a, uh, a study um, about how people interact with in-store displays, and they 
instead of having like a survey or a small sample set, they actually set up a camera and they watched how people interact with that camera. There were 90,000 customers that came over a one month period and they were able to kind of see age, gender, purchases, spending time, and how the customer interacted with the display much better than a survey, much more captive than a small sample set. And they were able to get a lot of good marketing just from putting a camera up and reading how people um, interacted with their product and looked at their signs, which gave them a really good sign of how to interact with that. But like kind of bring, like I said, bring that back kind of full circle. Those cameras can be used to analyze um, risks that, 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 are, that are posed to your organization. Talk about eight, eight, eight ATM machines. Same person may be hitting seven or eight different ATM machines. Or like, you know, Jay, what happened down in Texas, right? With mm -hmm. everything kind of shutting down and having those cameras be able to see, you know, when certain things start to shut down or turbines, you can then kind of make decisions on the fly because you have those alerts happening for you rather than being told it's already shut down, right? And I'm sure, you know, you're in Texas, so there's a lot more things that I don't know because that's a norm for me up here in the Northeast. But those kind of things could actually come into play when we start talking about like risk as a whole. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll paint one last picture, uh, um, you know, for our listeners. Um, Kevin and I have a, a friend slash colleague we've worked with and together with for well over a decade. He is a uh, major director for one of the uh, major healthcare organizations where he uh, supervises the security for uh, multiple hospitals um, throughout a tri-state area. And one of the problems that they had been having um, with one of their hospitals was the fact that um, shooting victims were coming into the hospital um, and there were actually people that were trying to retaliate against those victims while still in the hospital. So they actually started uh, monitoring social media um, as it related to, you know, the hospital, um, you know, information that they would get you know, and everything else about folks that are coming in or incidences. And they, you know, worked with local law enforcement on this. And the short version is um, they were able to kind of put together almost an automated process that could do some predictive analysis on, you know, whether or not they needed to up their security level um, for the hospital because people were posting about going to the hospital and retaliating and things like that. So he was able to build a whole security protocol around this um, going into, you know, facial recognition, the badge reader, the visitor access management um, procedures and all of these things. And he worked tirelessly with his internal um, IT department so that all this stuff fell properly under cyber guidelines and within the purview that the hospital was allowed to operate in. And uh, they've had fantastic success, even going back to, you know, some of the unrest that we've dealt with where they launched a drone program where they were actually monitoring for crowd buildups around the facility and going to higher levels of um, security from there. So, you know, it's tireless amounts of data that's being brought in. And we're just reminding you know, our cybersecurity folks out there, especially at the director and higher level, you have to insert yourself in there and you have to truly assess the risk for um, your organization. It's not just about laptops and mobile devices. It's much deeper for us these days. 
Yeah, I agree. And like I said, we, we just wanted to kind of the, to, to touch on the topic today on converged security, um, kind of raise the awareness to it. I think we're going to kind of bring it full, full circle when we start talking uh, in a couple other episodes in season two. We're definitely going to talk about like how, you know, investigations are used, how law enforcement uses certain um, like um, certain social media and other things, you know, as it relates to kind of that verge, converged security model. But we, like I said, we just wanted to talk, you know, wanted to bring everyone's attention to it. Um, wanted to talk about how like it's more than just cyber rights, physical security, it's IT security, it's cyber security, kind of all brought on one umbrella to kind of reduce the overall risk to the organization. And um, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, kick off season two, episode one. It took us a little bit to do it. We're just, our work schedules are a little crazy, but uh, we're going to come out with a regular cadence like every two weeks as it relates to um, new topics under season two. And it's going to be, you know, a, a range of topics, right, Jay, from application security to reverse security to, you know, overall security, right? Maybe um, some forensic techniques and investigations. And, you know, we're kind of open to other suggestions as well. Absolutely. And uh, as always, we appreciate everyone, um, you know, forward this to other folks. You know, we want to get the uh, the attendance regular. We want to get the following um, higher. and We want to have these these thoughtful discussions and we're doing it in this format so that, you know, as we get back to normal and people are driving to work again and those types of things like you can pop this on whenever you want to and listen to it. And it's meant to be thought provoking to make you start to assess and look at different things that you deal with at your you know, facility, at your job, and think about the concepts that we're talking about and whether or not you need to insert yourself um, in some different areas and, and understand how things are being done. Yeah. Thank you for downloading and listening to Threat Talk Season 2, Episode 1. Have a good week. Good afternoon. Thank you.